All right, let's uh, let's get going. Let's give a worship team a hand. That was awesome. I, I don't know about you guys, but I really love it, even when like it's a, more of a stripped-down set, and then you really still like, powerfully experience Jesus. kind of puts me at peace, because, you know, sometimes when, like, you know, it's, like, this big thing, which I love, too, but you're like, was I just being moved because the music was so loud and, you know, swaying me? And I love that, too. It's not a, anything against music, but I just sometimes with the simple nights, when it's just pure like that, there's something that, like, feeds me in a different way. So I absolutely loved that. But, uh... Um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to, to John 6. Um, that's where we'll go together. Um, before I jump into the message, I have just a couple quick announcements for you that I wanted to make uh, here rather than the video. Um, but uh, we, it's pertaining to prayer ministry. So we, we have a church office now. Woot, woot. We were, uh, someone came in the other day. It looks incredible. You can come see it. We'll be like, we'll open it up for the next week. You can have viewing if you want. Just joking. But someone walked in, and uh, my mom and Mackenzie Pace right here helped kind of design it, and it looks incredible. So I was sitting in there, and somebody walked in. A guy walked in this week. He's like, oh, my gosh. I wasn't expecting it to look this good. He's like, where were you guys before this? I was like, oh, my, my mom's house. <laughs> no, I, I have water. Thank you, though. Yeah, double whammy. Thank you. I'm set up now. But anyway, um, one of the things that we want to do, it's been on my heart for a while, is we're going to do um, a lunchtime prayer meeting now. Uh, one of the rooms is uh, just a prayer room at the office. It'll be 12 o'clock on Thursdays. Uh, so like 12 to 1. I mean, if you want to stop in during your lunch hour, you can come by. It will be open. Uh, the address, it's, it's ab up literally above the Flying M downtown Boise, 500 West Idaho Street. So uh, 12 o'clock Thursdays, there'll be a prayer meeting, and that will start this Thursday. Um, and then the second thing is that this Friday, May 12th at 7 p.m., I think the address is on your bulletin if you didn't get one. Um, you can look it up, but we're having a, it's like a vision night for the prayer ministry specifically. Um, this is a ministry we're really passionate about prayer here and wanting to grow um, a, a healthy ministry, and we're kind of casting vision for what that looks like, for what it looks like to be a part of the ministry and kind of the process of that will um, be going through. So that will be this Friday at 7 p.m., um, so if you are interested in getting involved in any way or even hearing if you want to get involved, you can come on that this Friday. So those are, those are my announcements, so... I'm going to pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump into the message. So, Jesus, we thank you that we get to be here tonight. It's so fun. We thank you that you love to speak to us, God. And I just pray that we'll be, uh, we'll be good soil tonight and that we will receive everything that you have. And I pray, God, that your word will uh, not just be information, but it will come with demonstration of your spirit and that you transform us, God, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, Lord, that you'll speak words that are spirit and life and they get inside of us and change us from the inside out. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So um, I'm preaching tonight. We're still on this, uh, kind of taking a little break with Easter and then Gabriel last weekend, but uh, I've been preaching on this We Are Family series and just kind of different dynamics of what makes a healthy family, what makes this family who we are. And I'm going to preach tonight on a topic that we'll probably cover from multiple angles, um, but I'm going to preach on a topic I'm going to call it Culture of Honor. Um, and this, I'm, there's, there's a lot you can do here. I'm not going to get into like a lot of the practice of what this looks like. I more felt like the Lord wanted me to, to cast 
um, and kind of build a context to understand um, what is honor, what is heaven's honor, and how, do they, how does heaven operate in this way. And uh, because I believe that uh, the culture honor that we're wanting to create and the honor of heaven is different than the honor of how we think of it in the world. Um, there's some similarities and some crossovers, but um, I want to build a context that will actually, I'm, I feel like will liberate some of us and our thinking and the way that we do life to actually begin to have capacity to honor uh, one another the way that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit honor each other and honor us. So... Um, the heart of honor, there's a, anybody know St. Benedict of Nursia? He's one of John Bottle's favorites. Um, <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a, Benedictine spirituality is attributed to him. He created a rule of life. He was a monk way back in the days. Um, but he had this quote. He said, uh, he said, we should receive every person we meet as though we are encountering the face of Christ. And I believe the heart of honor is living in that way radically, literally living in that way, that every person you encounter and you meet, you're encountering the face of Christ and, and actually treating them as such, honoring Jesus and one another. Um, Benedict is writing this uh, more in a context of hospitality so that their monasteries, that's how they would receive people. So their Benedictine spirituality is very known for hospitality. I believe that it's, very, it's, it's much easier to do this with guests than it is with your community that you live and do life with. Can I get an Amen. Right? Why? Because once you start living with people, you see their junk, right? You're like, oh, you ain't Christ. <laughs> I know what you're really made of now, right? Um, but still, I believe a culture of honor is when everyone that you meet, everybody that you're with on a day-to-day -day basis, the, the new people and the people that you're with all the time that see you, know you, you know them, you see them, you honor and receive them as if you're encountering the face of Christ. Um, this is difficult um, and it's something that is rarely seen in this world, but it is possible. Um, and it's this battle that we're in between uh, the spirit-led life and the flesh. Um, I believe it's really important to talk about this topic because um, honor, honor actually liberates us. Once we begin to live in a posture and have a capacity, a posture to really honor people from the heart we actually are then liberated to understand who we are ourselves. We can actually then come into the original design of who we are. We can dream our own dreams. We become the original Jordan and the original you instead of just copies to some degree and measure living in these comparison paradigms. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going. I'll unpack that more. Uh, but life and death is in the tongue, and it says out of the heart, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So really, I'm trying to get into the heart of what is the heart of honor, what is the posture of the heart of the inner man that can actually truly honor the world around them and receive everyone we meet as if we were receiving Christ. Does that sound good? Okay. So Galatians 5.16 says this, because uh, the battle that we're in is one with the flesh. And Galatians 5.16 says this, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So there is this opposition that's taking place within every person. And uh, this is taking place within every Christian. Right? We get saved, right? but there's this journey of sanctification. Right? Salvation is this moment, like to use Israel back in the day, Israel gets taken out of Egypt. Right? Sanctification is the process of getting Egypt out of Israel. And who knows that that doesn't happen very quickly. 
I get an amen? All right, we awake? Yeah, we're awake. Okay, three of you are awake. All right, now I feel five of you. Okay. It's a process of getting Egypt out of Israel. Getting Israel out of Egypt happened real quick. Right? And in the sanctification process, we are getting Egypt, a.k.a. the flesh, out of us, out of our mindset, out of the way that we live. And it's this journey of getting um, out, of, out of independence and into dependence upon God. Right? And the whole thrust of this life is to learn how to live in Christ, which is dependent. Right? So uh, if we're going to learn how to honor uh, we gotta, it's, there's this contest with the flesh, because the flesh is very set and bent on self and judgment. So what, what, what identifies kind of a fleshly mindset? Um, I would say uh, the, the overarching principle of flesh is that it's all about you, right? It's selfish. Uh, it, it's inward looking. Um, there's a scripture I'm going to read tonight. You know, you, you could pick a lot of different verses to kind of highlight uh, the flesh, but I'm going to pick this one because I think it will be particularly pertinent to us tonight. And this is the one that the Lord laid on my heart. Um, this is for, this is Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter four, verse three. And it says, uh, "For the time will come." I'm actually I'm going to read one verse three. It says, "I solemnly charge you." This is Paul talking to Timothy. It says, "I charge you in the presence of God in Christ, who is the Judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word." Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Here's the one I want you to key on. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. All right. Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is the young pastor, upbuilding pastor to the most prominent church in the world. The church of Ephesus, where one of the most amazing revivals took place. Literally, it says that they burned all their witchcraft. This is in Acts 17. They burned it all, and it gives us an amount of silver. It's like $6.3 million current that they burned in the streets because of what God did in the city. Okay, this is like radical, right? Timothy is pastoring this church, which is the leading church of the whole region, right? This is church. Paul founded it. Timothy's pastoring it. So he's not writing to like a bunch of just like lukewarm wannabes, right? He's saying, as you're pastoring this church full of all these amazing Christians, be careful. This is what you need to guard yourself. This is what the flesh will look like within Christianity. They won't want sound doctrine, but they're going to want their ears tickled. They're going to get teachers that are going to fulfill their own desires, right? See that self coming out? Their own desires. Um, I think this is pertinent because we're a room full of Christians. We're full of, of hungry Christians. And I love that. And I love this church. And I love all of us. And I love me. And I love Jesus. There's just so much love in the room. It's crazy. Right? But I, I think we need to heed the warning. We need to see in here this, this posture that we are all in some degree prone to. And it's this. Uh, th this is what oftentimes the church can become very prone to, especially when you start having growth, especially when good things are starting to happen. You can get this mindset. You know what? I like people who think, speak, and act just like me. I want my own desires fulfilled. I want, I want teachers and messages and things that are affirming me as correct, right? Personally, you can just translate this to personal. This would be like, my friends are kind of like me. I like people like me. 
right? And the principle that I'm trying to get at in all of this is I will embrace what affirms my own beliefs and more, entrenches, more deeply entrenches them as right. right. That's the flesh. I will embrace and I will celebrate and I will even honor voices and teachings and things and people that affirm what I already believe to be correct and makes me just, it entrenches them that I am right. right? And Jesus, problem with all this is Jesus is diametrically opposed to this type of thinking. This is not what he's like, right? And even in the, read the Bible, right? He's like, he's God, right? He's holy, he's perfect, he's amazing. We can go on and on and on. That's why we sing to him and he truly is remarkable, unlike any other. And who are his friends? Prostitutes, tax collectors, uneducated fishermen, zealots, Samaritans, women, Right, like he, he literally is friends with everyone. He's even friends with women. Oh my gosh. You know he's God now, right? Just joking, that's not what I meant, but. I'll change that next time I preach this message. Men, you know, but he's friends. He's friends with all these people. There's no, like, there's no, there's nothing that's, like, similar between the people that he likes to hang around. It's, like, everyone. And who does this offend that he's friends with these types of people? The Pharisees. They get extremely offended that he's hanging out with these certain people. And do you know why? Because he's effectively coming and stomping on their toes because they didn't hang out with those types of people. In fact, they believed that it was God's will for their life, that they separate from it, right? They had this doctrine, they had this belief that to be holy, to be like austere in the way that they were called to be, meant you don't associate because those people are unclean and blind people are actually being punished for sin and lepers are dirty, right? They had all these, these beliefs and Jesus was blowing them up in front of their faces, so they weren't offended because like he was friends with them. They were offended because he was stepping on their beliefs that were their own self-righteous creation. Right? And they were offended. They didn't like this. And before we get real on this uh, Pharisee train, I would like to uh, propose to you that Jesus will offend us all until there's nothing left to offend in us. Because he didn't just offend Pharisees, he offended everyone, right? And we're at John 6. We're going to read the most offensive sermon in the history of the world. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. The way we're going to read, you can put your finger on uh, uh, verse 53 of John chapter 6, and I'll set it up to there. Um, But essentially, you have Jesus, he's um, he's at the synagogue in Capernaum. I've, I've been there. You can actually go to this synagogue. It's a really nice big one that's kind of like the ruins of it. It's really cool. Um, but he gets there, and he's preaching, and he starts preaching this message, and, and the, the people are, like, kind of upset already, and they're like, we want to see a sign from you. What sign do you do that shows us that you're, you're God? And Jesus starts giving them a Jesus response, and he's like, I'm the bread, because like, they're like, Moses gave us manna. What are you going to do? He's like, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. So they're already offended at this. How can you say that you're the bread that came from heaven? We didn't know you didn't come from heaven. You came from Joseph. We know your parents. Like, right? They're they're like already kind of offended. 
And they say, what do you mean you're the bread that came down from heaven? And uh, Jesus says, well, uh, the blood that I'll give you for life, the food that I'll give you, the bread is my flesh. Then they get real offended, and I guess we'll start here at 52. It says, then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. I think I'll just stop there. What would you do? What would you do if you were in their shoes? And you're sitting watching someone who's telling you you need to drink my blood and eat my flesh. I think his disciples are like, today? (laughs) Or like, when, Jesus, right? And people are getting offended, right? It says he taught these things, verse 59, he taught these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? Do you agree with the disciples? Difficult statement. Right? This isn't just the 12 disciples. At this point, Jesus had hundreds of disciples. There were multiple times he sent 70 out. He had a whole cohort of people that were following him. Right? The Pharisees are there. Yeah, they're always offended. These are his disciples. And they start grumbling. They're offended. And Jesus says this in response to their grumbling. He says, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And then I'll jump a few verses down. It says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. You'd think Jesus was like feeling bad. I don't think he was because he then turns to his 12 and says, you don't want to go away also, do you? (laughs) He's like, this is hilarious to me. I'm glad you guys think it is too. Um, And Simon, this is profound. Simon Peter answered him and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. So Jesus, right, he preaches like the weirdest, grossest, most offensive sermon ever, right? He could have been like, P.S., it's crackers and grape juice. Right? Wouldn't that, like, wouldn't you want that contextual information? Like, that's kind of a big deal, Jesus. You missed the, the, the big thing that's like the aha moment, right? Like, no, you're not actually going to eat me. No, he does not give any of that. You're going to eat my flesh, drink my blood. You guys upset? My words are spirit and life. You're like, that's helpful. <laughs> right? Like, is your mind spinning here? Like, I'd be offended as all get out if someone got up on this stage, said, got a revelation, going to eat me. <laughs> right? Right? But he says, he says, the flesh profits nothing. My words are spirit and life. And then Peter gives this response. Like, I'm sure he's like, I'm offended, 
but where else do I go? Your words are eternal life. In other words, your words are spirit, and I know that, and my head hurts, but I know your words are spirit and life. You have the words of eternal life. Okay, what am I getting at in all of this? God will offend our minds because he wants to see what's in our hearts. God will often offend our minds to reveal what is in our heart. This happened uh, actually for a number of people last weekend. Right? We had someone come that was a different culture than us and operated in a way of ministry that many of us have never seen. Actually, there were things that I had never seen that he was doing. And it was different. <laughs> I saw people struggling. I can feel it. People struggling in their minds. I'm offended right now because that is different. That is violating what I know to be correct, right? But this is why I was so, so, so proud. It was one of the most, like, I was just proud of this people, of this church, because no one left. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I was kind of upset because I didn't get to sleep last weekend because nobody left, right? But I saw people offended in their minds, struggling, who engaged with their heart. Because I don't know what, but I feel God right now. I sense God. I'm discerning. I felt like God revealed the heart of this church to me, and I hope to all of you in a really dynamic way. And so really, like I honor you, um, your heart was pure before the Lord. But I want to help contextualize something um, even going forward with this. The point is not about the judgment. Because if you think, if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes, like literally, they're looking at Jesus like, like literally, when, when do we have to eat you, right? Like, I'd be tripping a little bit, right? And their judgment that this is disgusting and sick and wrong, that's right, right? If, like, on a different day when Jesus wasn't being in offensive mode, if they were like, Jesus, is it wrong to do cannibalism? He'd be like, yeah, it is, right? Like, their judgment was correct, and Jesus knew it. So they're sitting there, with their judgment, which is actually a right judgment, completely violated. And he's like, let's see what's in you. What are you going to do? You following me? The point and in, in what God's trying to do in these scenarios of offense, because I believe offense is it's a test that God gives us, and it's actually a gift that he gives us, is that he will offend us. But what he wants to see is, what do you care more about, your judgments or my presence. Right? I, I heard this sentiment, you know, last week. You know, well, Dr. Gabriel was, was speaking in tongues in a way that violated my understanding of how tongues should be used. Right? And there's a million judges. I'm not going to get into it. But God moved. And people had their lives changed. And miracles happened. What do you care more about? Your judgment? Or my presence. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, and there's a group of Pharisees sitting there plotting in their hearts how to kill Jesus. And Jesus is ticked angry, it says. Well, you violated my understanding of the Sabbath. But he healed a man who was born with a withered hand. What do you value? Your judgment or my presence? Where do we go, Lord? I don't care if I have to eat you, I guess. Your words 
are spirit and life. Your words are eternal life. Are you following me? He's trying to establish what has preeminence in your life. Is it my presence or is it your judgments? This is an important question, and I believe in every time that we're offended, Jesus is watching us to see what's going to come out of your heart when your judgments have been violated. Right? People say God will never violate his word. That is true. But God will violate our understanding of his word all the day long until there's nothing left in us to offend. I'm not advocating here the abandonment of our minds. Our minds are gifts from God. What I'm advocating is that our minds must be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be submitted unto his presence. An unsanctified mind will create a religion of its own. And then it will seek teachers, anybody, messages that will then affirm and more deeply entrench that what I believe is right is correct. And so beware, Timothy, that people don't throw out sound doctrine and they just want teachers that tickle their own ears and fill their own desires. This isn't like they're wanting people to preach maybe horrible things. They're just wanting people to preach messages that ingrain that what I've come to believe is correct, dot, 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 is right. Right? And God doesn't live in a box. We say that, but it's very uncomfortable to embrace that and live that incarnationally. The question is always this, do you want your own religion or do you want me? Because what that really boils down to is do you want, is it about you or am I Lord of your life? Do you want me? This is super important because an unsanctified mind is actually trapped in a paradigm of comparison where we're constantly playing an imitation game of the flesh. What do I mean by that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, we, Therefore, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. We used to regard Jesus into the flesh, but we don't do that anymore because we are now a new creation in Christ. You guys familiar with the verse? Paul's kind of changing the game here. He's saying we don't regard people according to the flesh, we now regard people according to the Spirit, right? Because we've become a new creation in Christ, right? But when we're living in an unsanctified mind, when our mind is dominating and guiding and leading our lives, when it is not submitted unto our spirit, which is then submitted unto the Lord, and his presence has the preeminence in our lives, if, if our mind is the litmus test, if our mind is, is what determines what we approve and what we honor and what we don't approve, we get into an imitation game where all we are is a, is a, is a, is a version of somebody else because we're just comparing ourselves and we look in our world and that's good, that's not good, that's not good, that's good, that's good, that's good, you know, and we're just comparison, 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 comparison to people and we're judging what's good, what's right and the only things that we really have value for are the things that are just like us because I've got it figured out what good is, I've got it figured out what God is and so then I'm going to look with that lens and that's what I will honor and I won't give any value to anything else. Are you following me? Just this comparison, right, and you just become a copy of somebody else. Because all we're seeing is flesh. We're imitating the flesh because it's an unsanctified mind. It's a fleshly mind that's guiding the ship. Right? And we can't stay here because we're made for so much more. 
And we can't honor truly people that are different than us when we're operating in this paradigm because to honor then in that paradigm means I have to replicate it. So if I honor someone different than me, I'm actually saying that I now have to become like that. Following me? I see this a lot. People can only honor that are like them. I've seen this in my own life. I can only honor people that are like me about what I value. And I can't honor what's different than me because to honor what's different than me, then that means that that's what I need to be like. Because right? this is broken paradigm where I'm just comparing myself to the flesh. I'm just judging. And they're not bad judgments. They're good judgments a lot of times, right? We have judgments. We make judgments based on our experience, based on scripture, based on our tradition that we were raised in, based on logic, right? We come to good judgments about what we believe about things like tongues. We, we come to good judgments about what we believe about things like how, how ministry should happen, right? Like we have all these judgments. We make judgments. That's how we create a church culture, Right? This is what's right. This is what's not right. Like, we have beautiful minds that are able to judge and discern between right and wrong. And we use the scripture and we use our reason. We use experience and we create these things. We create cultures. We create governments. We create all this stuff. But they're, prov- they're products of our mind. Right? And the only way that these are effective is if they're submitted unto the presence of God. But when these get in control, they're these broken, fractured systems that don't work and they don't communicate love and honor to the world. We actually become incapable of honor and we become trapped in this six-inch cage up here. Right? And God doesn't live in a six-inch cage. In fact, he is bigger and better than we could ever imagine. And he lives in all of us. And his expression is in seven billion people across the world. And we can't figure him out no matter how hard we try. Right? And so why he comes and offends us is because he's like, I'm bigger than your box. But I want to see, are you able to get liberated to the place where it's about my presence? And then you understand, Right? Just keep following me. I had, I had a dream. I had a dream a, a number of years ago. This was before I was even wanting to go into ministry. I was studying business. I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. But there was a guy that I knew very well. I'd had um, plenty of time with him in like a one-on-one type um, setting. He, he, he poured into my life some in certain areas. A very, very successful businessman. And I had this dream one night. Lord speaks to me in dreams often, and, and just, there's a certain quality and an inspiration that comes often when the, I know it's the Lord. And in this dream, there's this path, and uh, we were on this, like, a dirt path, and there was a lot of people on the path, and, like, the finish line was, like, way over there on this, like, race we were on. But it was this big chasm in front of me, and the path went on the edge of the chasm, and it went, like, so far that way, I couldn't even see it. And then it, like, eventually, like, made its way way out in the distance to where the finish line was. I knew it was much quicker to go that way, right? And uh, in this dream, we all had wings. Like, I had like these big wings that were like 10 feet long on either side, but like we didn't know what they were for. And this guy that I knew, who's very successful in like a worldly perspective, had his wings like this. So he could like cut through the wind, and he was running like on this path, and he was faster than people, because he had his wings stuck like this, cutting right through the wind. And I, in this dream, was in this dilemma to where, like, I had this curiosity, like, I need to figure out what these things are for. And I was trying to learn how to fly, and I kept falling. But I was watching as the people and this man and others kept going further and further ahead. And I was stuck in this dilemma of this dream of, do I just try to do this and run really fast? Or do I keep learning how to fly? And I woke up from the dream. And I knew what God was telling me. Uh, he said, my king, it was like, you know, the kingdom. The kingdom feels backwards. It feels like you're going backwards sometimes. It feels like you're hiding sometimes. 
but it's like countercultural, right? It's counter, counterintuitive, rather, is what I meant to say. And, and I think this dream kind of speaks, because I, I feel like, to me, it was like, are you going to play this imitation game of everybody else and try to stick your wings straight, right, and like keep doing the same thing in just a different way or maybe a little bit better? It reminds me of the same, uh, the same concept of uh, the high jump. Anybody familiar with the development of the high jump? There was like, you know, guys used to like run and they jump over it like this. Right, you guys seen how they do it? And they jump like that over. They didn't used to do that. They used to run and jump like this. And like for like 80 years of the high jump, it was like, like the same height, like maybe just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And then the one guy, what's the guy's name? What? Okay, I can't. I can't. Osbury. <laughs> the Osbury. <laughs> Okay, I, uh, whatever. You know his name. I don't. He completely shattered the paradigm because he wasn't thinking like everybody else, right? He had true innovation. He learned a new way, a new technique, and he shattered the record by a long ways. And it was the same dilemma I felt like it was in the dream is, am I imitating other people or are you going to come and invest time? Because I knew it was either, are you going to go live the American dream and get it and work hard and da, 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 or the God was saying, are you going to invest time in my presence? Are you going to seek me, even though it feels counterintuitive and it feels like that's going to take you backwards and everybody's going to get on by you, right? And, and I chose. I chose his presence, and I didn't know what I was doing. Honestly, I had no idea what I was doing with my life. But I feel like what happens when we, when we recognize and that we start giving preeminence to the presence of God is that we stop. We get liberated so we're not just judging everybody according to the flesh, according to what we think is good and what we think is bad. We're now starting to judge and imitate one another according to the presence of God. We start to see Jesus, right? We start to behold Jesus in one another. We start to honor the presence. When we get offended and we can honor his presence, when someone is extremely different than you and you don't just say, oh no, they're off the wall, one of those weirdos, all right? Or they're one of those straight edge peoples. But you can look at them and see Jesus and begin to honor his presence, even though it's way different than how you live life, your philosophy of life, your philosophy of raising kids, your philosophy of ministry, the way you think church should go. But you begin to see Jesus and honor Jesus. You're not looking at the flesh anymore. You're looking at God. And when you start staring at God, you don't see flesh. You don't see brokenness. You're seeing the God who raises the dead, walked on water, opened blind eyes, opened deaf ears, did impossible things. He's the God of the impossible. And guess what starts happening inside you? You stop trying to use your wings to run like everybody else and you start learning how to fly. And you start learning how to dream the dream that God is dreaming over your life. Not just some type of pigment of somebody else's dream or some type of thing that they're doing. You become original because you're not imitating people anymore. You're imitating Jesus himself. Right? You awaken to a capacity once again. When you have a capacity to honor, because this is the heart of honor. Once I can honor you as you, I now have the ability to love me as me. Right? And it's no longer, I, can, I don't have to honor you and say, now I need to be like you. No. Right? Because we're not like chucking our judgments out. God has a way that we're living our life. Right? There's, a way that we're, there's a way Riverhouse does church. There's a way every other church does church. And if we bring in someone like we did last week, I'm just using this as an example. Gabriel's amazing. Love him. We'll have him back. He comes. He's very different than us. He's from Africa. Shouldn't he be different from us? Right? 
Right? Are we all carbon copies across the world? No. But church, we fall into these thinking sometimes where it's like, I just want people to come that are going to affirm that what I do is right. And I got God figured out. This is the biggest critique of denominational Christianity. This is the biggest critique of, of millennials, of what they're saying about the church is they're just, they just, they're just clubs that they all think and believe the same way. I want to be open-minded, right? You heard that? I'm open-minded. What they're saying is I'm looking for a place that truly knows how to honor, where I can be me and you can be you, where you can be like one of those kind of out-there charismatics, and I can be my straight-edge self. And I'm not judging you the whole time, and you're not judging me. And afraid to honor one another, because God forbid if I honor you, I have to become like you. No, I can honor you because I behold the presence of Jesus. I don't understand. I can't move my body like that. And I don't know what them tongues talking is all about. <laughs> right? I don't understand it. That's messing with my mind. But I experience Jesus. And I honor him in you, right? And the way you stand there and worship with your arms to your side, you make me think you're judging everybody all the time. Makes me uncomfortable, right? Free spirit. It's okay. You love Jesus, right? Like I've seen you. I've seen the way you serve. I've seen the way you do X, 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 right? And I can honor Jesus in you because you're beautiful just like him. Right? Because I'm not looking at the flesh. I'm not looking for my judgments to be deeply entrenched to tell me that I'm right. I'm looking for God, and my judgments are then a fruit of that, and they help me process. They help me understand my world, right? And sometimes our judgments have to change, by the way, because sometimes our judgments are wrong. Sometimes they're not. The point is, is the preeminence goes to the presence. You following me? So I'm not advocating anarchy here. This isn't just like everybody does whatever they want. And then we'll all somehow hopefully be okay, right? Like, that's, that doesn't work, right? Like, we have government in our nation. We have government in the church. We have a church culture that we're building very intentionally here. But this is my litmus, litmus test of what we're, if, if this is healthy. We know that our understanding is healthy is if when we get offended and this is violated, what comes out of us is honor and love and engagement. If we can be like Peter, um, I would like to run, but I'm not, because your words are have eternal life. I'm very uncomfortable right now, but I'm engaged, because my heart's after God, and I see him in you. You following me? This, to me, if if... If communities can begin to embody this, it's going to answer the deep questions, the deep pains. It's going to heal the deep pains of society. You know why so many homosexuals don't step foot in a church? It's not because they don't experience God when they're here. It's because they're, so, they're, they're, they're waiting for the judgment. They're waiting for that sword to come out. You violate what I believe is right. And I'm not saying that that's incorrect, right? I'm not, I'm not getting into that. You can, I'm just saying, do you honor them? That they were formed in his image by his hands. And he loves them with a love so deep he went to the cross just for the hope of being able to have them. Is that what comes out of your heart? 
or is it a baseball bat of your judgment because they violate what you think is right? Like this is real stuff. And if the church can begin to operate in honor, I believe it will create a space of safety where people can come and find hope and healing and wholeness. Because we're not getting people to come here to change what they believe. We're getting people to come here and come into communion with the King of Kings. And he is very good at changing us. Right? Yeah. From one degree of glory to another as we behold him. So my heart, my hope in all of this is that, you know, we will continue. I, I, I am, we are intentionally building this church culture. We will continue to bring people on every scale of Christianity to come speak in this pulpit because I want, to, I, I want us to get offended. <laughs> I want conservatives to come in that you do not agree with their theology. And I want the other end to come in that you do not agree in their theology. Obviously, we'll pick people that, like, that we believe God is on. Right? I'm not going to like, hey, come up here and preach. Right? Like, no, like, it'll be intentional, but it doesn't matter. I want you to be able to honor God because I believe that means that this, this culture we create will be healthy because that, it, 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 that demonstrates it's the fruit of the presence. Right? And it's not used to then, like, we're not using this to judge what his presence is. Right? We're made for, for communion. I'm going to stop right now because that's, we, can, we can keep picking this apart. This is my, uh, this is my brain. Um, I, want to, I want to close just with some ministry time. Um, I'm sure some of you say, yeah, you know what, I'm kind of guilty. I think I've, I've judged a few times. Um, you maybe put some music on or something. We can put the lights on a little bit. Um, and I just want to create space to respond right now. Um, and really to make an acknowledgement to the Lord. I think there's something powerful can happen when you say, God, yeah, that's me. I'm convicted, and I want you, I want you to heal me. Um, I believe it really is uh, it's a breakthrough that we need. Uh, we become sometimes locked in a cage of our mind, and it's, it's, a, it's a breakthrough that we, that we need. And it believe, I believe in my opinion that it starts with, hunger and thirst for righteousness. It starts with, I'm willing to be poor in spirit. And I remember when, uh, when I was, man, probably 19, I began opening myself up to other things where God was moving. And for me, it meant more charismatic things than I was comfortable with. I was not raised in where that was a normal thing. And uh, it was very uncomfortable when people started telling me, Jesus heals. Um, Jesus, yeah, opens blind eyes still. So I was like, say what? Like, he still opens blind eyes? Yeah, and he gives visions. It's like, oh boy. <laughs> it's like, who, who am I talking to right now? Right? And literally, God just kept bringing people in my life. Yeah, no, there's, there's more of this. I've had this experience. I've seen this. I'm like, wait, wait, you've seen that? Yeah, I've seen this, that, that, that. Then I started going to places where I started seeing it. And it was the most painful process for me. Only reason I did it is because I was in so much pain that I needed some type of help. I needed some type of hope. I knew I needed change. So I just say that to say is it's a painful process at times to let our paradigms that we've often deeply entrenched over years to break and, and say, you know what, this is probably, there's something wrong. Why am I offended and my heart shut? 
Why is someone different and I'm so dang uncomfortable with them that I actually withhold affection? Why would I actually like to honor them but I can't? You know, you have to start asking those questions. They're uncomfortable. Um, and I just, I just want, I feel like God wants to bring breakthrough to you tonight. So um, I'm going to invite the ministry team up. You can put some music on and I'm going to pray for all of us. And then to close, uh, I'm just going to, just, we'll just open it. So ministry team, you can come forward. I just want you to come and receive prayer. Um, and this is not some type of like walk of shame. Uh, this is like a beautiful, awesome moment to just celebrate God. There's more for me. Right? Like there's no shame, no condemnation, no blame in the kingdom. That's not how he works. Uh, he just works in hearts, and he works really well. And, uh, and I, I'll be honest and confess to all of you, this is so much of my process in my life right now. Uh, it is uncomfortable for me last weekend sitting there going, oh, this is different, different than how I minister, Lord. And I just honored that dude. He's got the mic. Nothing I can do. Lord's like, what are you going to do? He was testing me just as much as any of us. This is so much of my process. This has been my process. If you haven't noticed, me and my mother are very different than each other. She is as free a spirit as they come. I'm more intellectually wired. And there's been times where I've recognized that my own judgments have locked me down and was hurting her. That's just being real and raw with you all. That is so much of my process is learning to more deeply break these down so that I can live a life of love. All right, so this is a journey. This isn't like a one-time thing. This is a journey of getting Egypt out of us. Amen. So I'm going to pray, and then you can come forward, and then uh, we'll just dismiss you all that you can leave whenever you want. So uh, just leave before 11 p.m. is what I mean. So <laughs> Jesus, I thank you tonight that you're moving and that you're speaking and that you're changing our thinking and that you're liberating us, God, to be a people of honor, to be a people of real, deep, authentic love, to be a people that have a capacity to dream the dream that you're dreaming. God, the, be a people that are original to the design that you designed us with, Lord. I pray, God, that you continue to sanctify our minds, to sanctify our hearts, God, so that we judge with right judgment, God, and that we, that before all of that, Lord, have this place of honor for your presence that is so powerful that it dictates every relationship we have, every encounter we do, God, so that in each and every person that you've given us in our lives, Lord, we can honor them as if we are encountering the face of Jesus Christ himself. We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Be blessed and be filled this week as you go.